Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. You can go beyond giving to impact. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. I'm Erlon Woods. I'm Nigel Poor. We're the hosts and creators of Ear Hustle from PRX's Radiotopia. Ear Hustle is a show about life inside prison, but it's not your typical prison podcast. In this next season, we've got stories about the objects people keep inside their prison cells. About residents in a women's prison who say they want to stay there. And the most beautiful prison garden. Erlon, I will never forget it. Ear Hustle. Stories about life on the inside, told by those who live it. Find Ear Hustle wherever you get your podcasts. Cloudy skies, welcome to this Tuesday edition of Closer Look. I'm Rose Scott. Coming up in just a moment, a conversation with Samuel Reed, the executive director of the Atlanta Citizen Review Board. Just how effective is this civilian police oversight agency into police misconduct. We'll hear what Director Reed thinks makes for an effective agency. Independency, transparency, community engagement, and having the ability to be able to have access to the police officers and the police documents and records. That conversation is coming up in just a moment. But first, it is election day here in Georgia. Those long lines anticipated by election officials, well, it's true, and there are reports of other issues. Earlier, I spoke with Emil Moffitt from our WABE newsroom. Emil, thanks for taking the time. Hey, Rose, thanks for having me. How early did you get up today? Uh, it was an early, early wake-up call with polls opening at 7 o'clock. Uh, you want to kind of take a look around, and, and we saw a lot of lines early on. So you were out at some polling locations. Where did you visit? Went to a couple of places here in DeKalb County. We also had some colleagues out in Fulton County, and we just saw some lines forming really even before polls opened. And then there were some issues with the, with the new voting machines uh, getting going first thing this morning. Let's talk about that. When you say issues, what did you hear? We're hearing a lot about, especially some of the check-in, there's a little poll pad where you go to check in and that gives you the voter card that you then take over to the voting machine. And hearing some issues about passcodes and uh, voter cards maybe not being inserted right uh, in order to program them uh, according to the, each voter number. So a lot of, I would describe them as a learning curve, growing pains of learning these new machines. And we got to remember that these are brand new machines that are being used statewide on a precinct by precinct level for the first time, really, since they were rolled out earlier this year. And also you have a lot of new poll workers who are working the polls for the very first time. So I think a combination of those two things made for kind of a bumpy beginning, not only in Fulton, but across Metro Atlanta as well. So not only learning for the poll workers, and then obviously that might turn into frustration for the voter who wants to possibly try to get in and get out. Emil, have you had a chance to talk to any election officials from any of the counties? I've had a chance to uh, to speak with them over the last couple of days as, as they've gotten ready and kind of monitoring what's going on in the different counties. And, and I think there was a little bit of apprehension as far as coming into today because of COVID-19 and uh, the new poll workers and people not only uh, working the polls for the first time, some being supervisors for the first time. Mm-hmm. So really trying to figure things out. And so I think there was a little trepidation going into today to make sure that everything went right. And it's one of those things where things can gradually get better throughout the day. And we've seen some of the lines start to to, to go down a little bit. 
but also, like you mentioned, some people get up first thing in the morning, they want to go in to vote before work. And if they're standing there waiting in line for hours and hours, uh, it's not good because people have, have kind of planned their day around this. And, and so snags early on, even if they're ironed out as the day goes on, can still really mess with people's uh, ability to vote. And as I mentioned earlier, and you just alluded to, I mean, election officials, they were expecting this. You've had a lot of conversations with Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. He said to folks yesterday during a press conference, there will be long lines. This is different due to the pandemic as well. Have you had an opportunity to reach out to the Secretary of State's office today? And do you know if, if these problems are statewide that folks are having? We're supposed to hear from them a little bit later here, and we'll get their assessment as far as what's going on across the state. A lot of things we've seen uh, dating back to yesterday and even early this morning from the Secretary of State's office is they're putting a lot of the heat on Fulton County. And while there have been a lot of problems in Fulton County, we've also seen problems in DeKalb. We've seen problems in Gwinnett. We've seen some problems in Cobb County. And again, this is the learning curve with the new system and new poll workers and that's certainly understandable. But by the same token, just pinning it all on Fulton County, I, I think doesn't tell the whole picture of what's going on across the state. Now, are these issues being resolved and worked out? Looks like some of them are being done, but it will be interesting to see how the Secretary of State's office reacts to not only the problems in Fulton, but also the problems uh, across Metro Atlanta as well. WABE's Emil Moffitt, who's been out earlier today at some of the polling locations. Emil, I appreciate you taking the time. You're going to join me later for our election special tonight. I know you have put in a lot of hours, but come on, just hang with me a little bit more, buddy. (laughs) Absolutely. I'll be right there with you, Rose. Thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time. That was my conversation with the WABE's Emil Moffitt earlier today. And after that conversation with Emil, WABE received a statement from statewide voting implementation manager, Gabriel Sterling. It reads in part, quote, so far we have no reports of any actual equipment issues. We do have reports of equipment being delivered to the wrong locations and delivered late. It goes on to say we have reports of poll workers not understanding setup or how to operate voting equipment. While these are unfortunate, they are not issues of the equipment, but a function of counties engaging in poor planning, limited training and failures of leadership. Close quote. Again, that is from the statewide voting implementation manager, Gabriel Sterling. And you can hear more later today during All Things Considered, hosted by Jim Burris. And then tune in tonight at 8 p.m. for a special election coverage wrap up along with myself and our WABE newsroom. Finally, an update on the coronavirus here in Georgia. There are 52,497 confirmed COVID-19 cases. The number of deaths statewide is reported to be 2,208, and there are 8,746 hospitalized. Now, that's all according to the Georgia Department of Public Health at the time of this broadcast. This is Closer Look. Oh, yeah. So June 9th to me is the big day. So um, I think what's important is police reform. These police need training. Every black person you see is not an agitator. Every black person you see is not a threat. And I think they're gonna have to change the whole culture of the police force. This isn't just somebody dies and then we protest and now we're upset and then we go back to our regular life. Like I said, 50 states are listening. So this is a time where we really we really get serious about police reform and really stay on them. Don't let up. Don't let something else happen on social media and then we lose the focus. Let's stay on police reform.
like some sort of police reform. Um, you know, there should be someone policing the police, so to speak. Um, and I just feel like everybody should be held accountable for their own actions. Um, and that's at the top of the list, I think. So, yeah. The issues that matter to us the most probably concern our children and their future. Um, you know, prison, prison reform, obviously this Black Lives Matter movement, we want to see accountability um, in corporate, not just in government, but with corporations and schools. Um, and I think with the coronavirus, I think this is a call for universal health care. I feel like uh, immigration is a big issue for me. I'm an immigration myself, uh, first generation. So just seeing what's been going on in our country with accepting people from outside the country, that's a personal issue for me. Uh, and of course, beyond that, just thinking about how do we create a more equal America for everybody, uh, which has really come to the light in the last few weeks, of course, but it's been a long-standing issue. Closer Look continues now here on 90.1 WABE, Atlanta's choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott. Depending on whom you ask, civilian oversight groups when it comes to bridging community and police misconduct can be an effective process for accountability or, for some, simply put, not effective at all. But with calls ranging from defunding police departments to a complete overhaul of policies and procedures, what role can citizen review boards play in all of this? Samuel Reed III is the executive director of the Atlanta Citizen Review Board, and he joins me now. Director Reed, thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Rose, for having us on today. Um, I really appreciate it, the, the opportunity to speak to your listeners. How long have you been with the Citizen Review Board? I've been with the Atlanta Citizen Review Board since 2012, mm -hmm. August 2012. And for listeners who may not be familiar with what you all are tasked with, by your definition, what's the role of the ACRB? To address citizens' concerns about the actions of police officers. We investigate, mediate, and educate citizens on their rights and responsibilities. That's really it in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. How many members are on the board? There are 13 members. Who appoints the members? Uh, we have various entities that appoint the, men the members. The, the mayor has an appointment. City council has an appointment. City Council President has an appointment, the League of Women Voters, uh, Gate City Bar and Atlanta Bar Association. Uh, the APAP, Atlanta Planning uh, Board, has four appointees. We also have the uh, Urban League of Atlanta, mm -hmm. Atlanta Business League, um, all get to have appointments to the board. And so the Atlanta Citizens Review Board is an entity within Atlanta City Government, correct? Yes, it is. Do you receive a salary? Yes, I do. We have uh, nine city staff who do the day-to-day -day operations. Uh, that's the investigations and mediations and the, the uh, community engagement piece. Mm -hmm. The board, it provides the, uh, the, it makes the decisions on the complaints that we investigate. And they also contribute with our outreach and our strategic planning. We'll get to that in just a moment. So, Director Reed, from your viewpoint, what makes for an effective citizen review board? Independency, transparency, community engagement, and being, having the ability to be able to have access to the police officers 
and the police uh, documents and records and funding. And one of the most critical points to make an effective citizen review board is having citizen involvement. The citizen movement to create these boards, they do a great job at doing that. Um, but once they're created, citizens have to stay engaged by either filing complaints, by uh, paying attention to the to the data that's coming out and asking those questions and challenging the uh, police department and the elected officials to make changes where changes need to be made. That's that's the critical part of mm -hmm. civilian oversight. Would you apply all of that to the Atlanta Citizen Review Board? Do you have all of that, what you just talked about? We have all of that. Um, the, the thing we really need is to have the citizens remain engaged in the process, remain engaged in the work, using the data to ask the questions. We, we're now looking at ways to strengthen the ordinance that would be able to allow us to have a greater impact than what we're having now. So we're, we're hopeful to have that happen. You've said this twice now, the community engagement, citizen engagement. Are you saying that you want citizens to feel empowered to file more complaint? Take that further for me, just for some clarity. Yes, here. certainly. Citizen, you hit it on the head with the citizen empowerment piece. If you have a concern, file it with the, file it with the department. We have to create, we have to create an official record on officers when they are doing things that are not consistent with the community, with what the community expects. We also need citizens to attend the board meetings, to look at the data that's on the website, to look at our reports mm -hmm. that's on the website and help ask those questions about the data that they see. I mean, it's critical to that because the way to make sure that we that the police department and my agency are progressing the way that that citizens want it to occur is that they take that information and ask those questions why is police discipline down what are some of the the challenges that face officer accountability and how can those be removed those are important as a part of staff that's my job but the citizens that citizen power mm -hmm. is what allows us to be able to do it more effectively and strengthens that voice when we say there's a problem here, we need to get it corrected. On the average, how many complaints do you all get within a, a calendar year? Um, it ranges between 130 to 150, I would say, on the average. Can you give me a percentage in terms of how many of the complaints involve multiple allegations of a particular officer or procedure? I would say more than 75% involve multiple allegations. And that could range from identification of the officer to force. There could be a number of different allegations that could be involved and involve uh, multiple officers. For our listeners who may not be familiar with the process, let's go through this process. So someone has a complaint they first come to your department, they file an official complaint. Is it a, in written documentation that they must provide? Yes, ma'am. And yes, then what happens with that complaint? Once they file a complaint, we do a preliminary review. We start pulling documents and pulling videos to, um, to, to capture what happened. Um, at that point, once we have an idea what's, what's happened, 
we make a recommendation to the board that this would either be something that we would mediate or something that we would do a full investigation or does not meet our jurisdictional mm -hmm. requirements. After we've gone past that hurdle, then if it goes towards an investigation, the officer and officer and witness officers, citizens, any witnesses, all of them are interviewed. We continue to collect more data, more documents and reports and video footage from the police department. Mm -hmm. We get the medical records and any 911 type, uh, 911 calls, transmissions, all of that stuff is put into the investigation. Who does the investigating? Is there one particular yes. group or is there one person? Um, we have four investigators. Mm -hmm. We have an investigations manager. We have uh, three other investigators who are highly trained and been doing investigations for years. They do the investigations of the matters. And once they've completed the investigation, the investigation manager will, re will review it. I will review it. And then it goes to the board for a hearing. Do you have any input from Chief Shields, the mayor's office? You all are an entity of the city government. How independent are you? And do you get any pushback? Do you try to get any influence when it comes to investigating a complaint? Have you had that happen? No, no. We're When it comes to our investigations, we're totally independent. The board's decisions are totally independent. When someone files a complaint with us, we are the only ones working that complaint. We are the only ones making a decision on that complaint. Once we've made that decision, then it goes to the police department and they will make their decision on the complaint. They also do an investigation on the complaint as well. And then uh, they make their decision based off of the complaints and the chief will decide what to uh, what to do with the officer. So even though you all do your own investigation, ultimately it does the decision lies with the department and the chief, Chief Shields, in this instance. Correct, and that, that's that's correct. Do you think that's a fair process? Um, I think that from a management perspective, I think whoever's managing the department to be held accountable for the decisions that are being made as it relates to the discipline and the culture of the department. Now, when it comes to civilian oversight, it gets a little trickier because you have this independent board that makes this decision that's put into that process. One of the things that we're looking at is where we have disagreement on whether an officer should be disciplined or not, or whether allegations should be sustained or not, mm -hmm. um, there one of the one of the suggestions that we're putting forth is that when you have that disagreement, we go before an independent person who's trained in law and policy to make that decision that could possibly be binding on the police uh, department. That's one of the considerations that we're putting forth as a as a way of trying to increase the agreement between citizens and officers. We've never had anyone say that our investigations are not quality or that we're biased against officers. So it's it's hard for us to understand why the the uh, agreement on the cases are not higher than what they what they are. Well, what is the percentage that you um, all do agree? 
I will say this up to this year, up to today's date, the police department has agreed with 41% of our uh, sustained complaints. Now that's up from 31% at the end of the year. And prior to that, it was 17%. Is that concerning for you? Certainly, certainly. I think that it should certainly be higher than uh, 41%. I believe that it should be well above 75% because there's going to be some disagreements based on the philosophy of the department, meaning the police department, and how they want to manage their officers. But it shouldn't be to where it's um, down in the 40s or, or below that. No, I think 75 and plus 80% would be where we would need to be. 100% would be great, mm-hmm. but I, I do understand that it, the philosophy of the department uh, may bring in some things that we may not have access to. Director Reed, based on what you just told me, one could say you all aren't effective. Or is that, that or, or, or are you saying that's because you still are limited in really having any say so over accountability if it ultimately ends with what the police chief believes or, or her department? And you said it's a suggestion that you would like when there are disagreements, you would like for both parties to go before an independent arbitrator or someone or a mediator or whatever. But that's just a suggestion. How likely is it that that will even happen? Well, first, we have to get it into the legislation, into the uh, the city ordinance. And that's, again, where the citizen involvement comes in. Um, well, why can't a city, why can't a city council person take the lead on this? Oh, certainly, certainly, certainly that, certainly that. Um, but sometimes uh, people need to be motivated by the citizens saying, we want to see this change. That's, that's why when we talk about protests, that protest brings attention to a problem to help motivate people to make change that they may not otherwise do. Um, We are hoping that with the legislation that we want to propose, that that the city council members would seriously consider it and add it to the uh, ordinance so that we can have this process to close that gap between Mm -hmm. disagreements between the uh, ACRB and the Atlanta Police Department. But you and I both know, because the ACRB came out of a tragic situation involving a 92-year-old woman, Katherine Johnson, in the English Avenue Vine City neighborhood. Uh, that's how you all were born out of. You know, Here's a right. woman who was in her home, uh, right. was shot and killed by police. Woman. Yeah, was shot and killed by police who Correct. said they were looking for someone who had a tip about some drug activity. So that's a long time ago. That was what, 2007, I believe? Yes. And obviously you weren't around. That was a different administration. So to say that this process of change needs to be led by citizens, I mean, you can go back to 2007. One would argue you don't need to just have citizens outrage. You have instances here. Or you could look at the raid on the, the gay bar in Midtown Atlanta. Right. And changes came out of that from the work of the Atlanta Citizen Review Board. Mm-hmm. That's true. And that's why you have the Atlanta Citizen Review Board, which does this work every day, Mm -hmm. continue to fight for the citizens and fight for a a fair process with the police department, with the elected officials, so that the the agency can have the 
proper funding, can have the proper support to be able to get the decisions, to get the uh, police department to do the things that it needs to do. Going back to what I was saying about citizens mm -hmm. is that these, are, these entities are created. They have to be pushed to the forefront of the elected officials' minds so that the changes to the ordinance can occur like they need to occur. Have you talked to city council members about this? Do you have some support about these changes that you want, particularly with that independent mediator? If you all are at a impasse with the chief and her department, do you have someone on city council that can introduce this legislation on your behalf? We do have someone who is reviewing it right now. Um, unfortunately, with COVID, uh, a few months ago, we had started working with working on these changes and wanted to move forward with, forward with them a while back. Mm -hmm. Then everything came down with COVID. But now we've identified another city council member who's looking at them currently, and we're hoping to hear something back soon. The voice you hear is Samuel Reed III. He's the executive director of the Atlanta Citizen Review Board. And our conversation is about bridging the community and police misconduct and can a, a civilian oversight committee be an effective process for accountability? We'll take a break. Our conversation will continue in just a moment. Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. If you love Atlanta, you can invest in the big picture. Learn more at CF greateratlanta.org. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. Closer Look continues now here on 90.1 WABE. This is Atlanta's Choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott. We continue our conversation with Samuel Reed. He's the executive director of the Atlanta Citizen Review Board. Director Reed, what do you need? What more does the Atlanta Citizen Review Board need other than that independent mediator that we've been talking about? What, are, what else do you need? What other resources do you need? You mentioned funding. Funding for what? There are a number of things that we could also... Uh, be doing. We, 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 we look at policies and procedures in our individual cases. And when we learn of the police department uh, looking at doing an in, implementing a new policy, um, we're able to do some reviews. But it would be great for us to have an analyst who would help us to be able to, to um, examine patterns, trends, and data more quickly to be able to uh, have a, a, a more or, or more efficient process of getting the police department to um, to recognize some things that are happening so that they can make changes. We also could use um, more recognition from the from the city that um, citizen that we have a citizen review board. Um, it was it was it was heartbreaking uh, a couple of weeks ago to have. Um, a local uh, entertainer leader say that we don't have a citizen review board in Atlanta, and he'd like to see one that was that we had in Turner when Turner was Chief Turner was in office, um, and it wasn't corrected. Um, 
while we while he was up there. So we need to have that recognition from the city from the city, so that individuals will know they have a forum to go to when they have a complaint, when they have a concern. Um, we're doing our part in getting out, doing our outreach, putting putting commercials on radio and, and TV, mm-hmm. um, doing the community outreach events. We need we need that citizen, that city recognition. We also need to have more funding to be able to have our social media built up to where we could be able to be consistent with that, to be able to help individuals understand this is a process that's here for them, that's fair, that's transparent, that's independent. So those are things that we need. Who oversees your budget? We also need that legislation to be able to strengthen the ordinance and be able to provide appeals for for citizens and officers Mm -hmm. and be able to have someone to go to to resolve these conflicts between the police department and the um, ACRB. Who oversees your budget, Director Reed? Is that you? Uh, yes. What is your annual budget? It is less than a million dollars. It's like 953000 Do you look at other review boards, civilian yes. review boards across the country? How do you stack up against okay. those? Great question. Um we are below funded as relates to other independent investigative models. Independent investigative models require more funding. And when we compare ourselves to uh, similar boards or similar uh, number of officers, we are, when I looked at DC recently, mm-hmm. when you look at the, the ratio between Atlanta police, I mean, Washington DC police department and the investi- the investigative staff and support staff of the uh, Office of Professional Can- Complaints in uh, D.C. They're at, if I remember correctly, like maybe 263 to 1. And we're, no, two, yeah, 263 and 1. And they are, and we are looking at the same ratio mm-hmm. of well above 300, almost 370-something to 1. And so... That puts a drag on how we're able to do our work, how we're able to um, communicate out to the public, how we able, how fast, we, quickly we are able to do investigations. I mean, those things matter. So, are you saying you need at least an additional two million dollars? <laughs> that would be great. I mean, that would be great. The uh, the the, the, the uh, police department has like a two hundred something plus million dollar budget. I mean, it would be great for us to have one uh, percent of the of their budget, or have or you have asked for it? A couple of million. Have you? Yes, asked? we we talked about that during budget talks um, a while back, um, but you know that's um, but what that hasn't gone very far. But now I will say that the police, the city, has thankfully the city under uh, Mayor Bottoms. And under Mayor Reed, have both continued to fund the agency and provide additional funding to the agency um, each year. Um, so that that's been great. You know, last year we were able to get uh, two agency vehicles so we can be more visible in the community. Um, so that's been great. Are you all eligible for any federal funding? At this time, no. We. Um, a few years back, we 
had examined trying to um, get a, a, a grant, and that's something that we continue to look at. Um, so we, we're hoping that as things, with this political climate, as things uh, change, that those types of funds would become more available to um, oversight agencies. Director Reed, through your lens, and you've been talking about the role of citizens' engagement in all of this, but through your lens, do you think the citizens really feel like that the Atlanta Citizen Review Board is an effective model? Do I, do I believe that they're, that citizens think we're effective? Yeah. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Based on what? Best, based on the fact that when we have citizens contact us, those citizens who contact us um, are appreciative of having an agency that they can go to to file their complaint outside of the police department. Having someone to be able to give them a fair investigation, an independent investigation, and being transparent about the information that comes out of the process. Now, will I say that there are some tweaks that could be made mm -hmm. to make it even more effective? Yes, and I just spoke on that. Mm -hmm. But as far as effectiveness, we are one of the most recognized best running civilian oversight agencies in the nation with the 41 percent <laughs> that's what you just told me but with the 41 percent that's right and, and 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 i understand what you're saying now let me ask you this what do you think the the ratio the the percentage rate that comes out of the police department or citizen complaints are i have no idea but I know 41% in all my years of education is never good. <laughs> You're right. You're right. And that's why we fight every day to try to get to get that higher. That's why we need the citizen support when we're talking about why. That's a good question that people should be asking. Mm -hmm. Me as, a, as the executive director, like you asked me, asking the elected officials and the police department, is 41 41% really the best that we can do? What, well, you told me we earlier to you would this better. But you told me earlier, Director Reed, it should be up in 75% in terms yes. of the complaints and that go to full investigation. That's what yes. you told me. And now yes. you're saying, but hey, 41% is pretty good. When it's, you look at when you look at when it was 11%, 17%, 31% now 41%, with changes, hopefully, we can get it up to 75%, 85%, 95%. Yes, we need to have it higher. Is now the time, because we're in this space, we're in this climate, That's right. where there are calls for overhauling policies, practices, procedures. Some folks want to defund the police department, and depending on whom you ask, you get a different definition of that. But so is now the time for the ACRB to revisit all those conversations about the suggestions you want, that independent mediator, more funding, is now the time to do it? And if so, how will you do it? What will that process look like? And you're right. Now is the time. The time was that now is the time. Now is the time. We've been working on this for years. Each year we say now is the time. Hopefully, in this current environment, people will listen and say, yes, it is the time and the things will happen. The way that we do this is that we're currently in our budget process. Mm -hmm. We've been talking to individuals about how can we increase the budget, understanding that the budget we're, we're 
dealing with a pandemic that we don't know how the effects of that's going to be on the, on, on the budget. Mm-hmm. Um, so there may be some restrictions there, but there's, we believe that there can be some money somewhere that can go into our program that can help us do our work more effectively. Mm-hmm. We believe that now is the time to be able to address the weak spots in the ACRB ordinance so that we can get the meet the, the citizens' expectations of what comes out of a sustained complaint. We're not sitting back here just saying, oh, well, we got a sustained complaint and the police department is not doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, dang, you know, what What can we do? No, with, we receive those complaints and we have communications with the police department about why these things did not happen, mm-hmm. what needs to be changed with these decisions. But unfortunately, the way it is now, we can't make them do anything. We have to have the ordinance to give us that power to be able to do it. And the way that things work politically, I can say it all day as paid staff and board members, as volunteers say, we need to have this. Mm -hmm. Without citizens saying it, it's a different effect. Citizens saying it along with us gives a different effect to the city council members who will go, oh, we need to make these changes. That's the point that I want to make that we have to have that. Any change that's happened in society has happened because what? Citizens involvement, citizens saying, damn it, we've had enough. We want, excuse me, we've had enough. It's okay, you can say that word on public radio. I'm sorry? You can say that word on public radio. Oh, okay. well, don't open that door now. I, I gotta. I, that, I'm a, I'm well, that's a, the only I'm word I'm allowed you to say. <laughs> that's the only word I'm allowed you to say. But you know, <laughs> keep the other ones. <laughs> but we want to see change, and we want to see change now. And this is where citizens can can put that power. See, one one of the things that that uh, one of the challenges is that after the protest, what happens? I asked that question last you week. Know, because people will go, well, we, we protested and it happened for a few weeks. We've seen the same thing in 2014, 2015, 2016, when we had unarmed black men and women being killed by police officers. We had the protest. People got together, sat down and talked with each other for a minute. A month later, guess who was still trying to do the work? ACRB. What we don't want to see happen this year is, this time is, we have the protests, we have the task force, and we have the citizens, you know, have, have these conversations, and everything goes back to normal because people have gone back to doing what they do, and and we have and we be in the same spot again. And let me ask you this. To, let me ask I'm you this. No, let me ask you this, Director Reed, because I'm, I'm yes. coming up on time here. But the decision made by Mayor Bottoms to fire the officers through your lens and all your experience of running, uh, being the executive director for the board, was that an appropriate call? Was that the right call? Having not seen the video footage and understanding that the police chief and the mayor reviewed four hours of the footage. And, um, I would probably, I would say that was probably the right call. Now, now, mind you, I haven't seen the footage, so I would say they would they made the right call. 
as we wrap up, Director Reed, of the complaints that you all typically get, are they usually excessive use of force, abusive I language? Would, mm -hmm. What do you? Our get? top three complaints that we receive are um, are um, appropriate action required. Me and officer went on the scene, didn't do what needed to be done with the policy or how he treated someone. Um, excessive force that ranges from too tight handcuffs to hitting, smacking, mm -hmm. stomping, kicking, uh, tasers, uh, weapons, uh, to uh, and conduct. Those are our top three complaints. Mm -hmm. So based on that and your position, you did not see the video footage of the, the two AUC students? It was all over the no, place. No, no, I'm talking about all the footages that they, I saw the, the footage on TV, yes. I saw that footage. Oh, but you didn't see the yes. additional footage that they saw. Do y'all get a chance to look at body camera footage in your investigations? Yes. When we have an investigation, we receive all the body camera footage okay. um, that's associated with that complaint. Correct. So it's my understanding that we received that complaint. And as we go through that investigative process, we will we will get that footage as we're going through the investigative process. Hmm. But currently speaking today, I haven't seen all the footage that the police department, that the chief and the mayor made their decision on. How long would you like to continue as the executive director of this board? Um, I consider my work will be done when we have change the culture of the police department when we have uh, improved relationships between citizens and officers. You know, that's the measure of when I've, I've completed my work. How do you, you measure know, the cult How do you measure the culture change within the police department? Doesn't that start with the police chief? It does start with the police chief, but here's the thing. It starts with the police chief and it, it has to reverberate down to middle management, and the sergeants and the tenants. All of them have to be on the same, the same, uh, same accord. You can have one sergeant, like in any any employment situation, you can have one person in middle management who decides that I'm not going to uh, discipline this officer or correct this officer, right? Mm -hmm. Regardless of what's being said, regardless of what the policies are, I'm not going to do it. That sends a message to the officers. And then that one officer could have that, that, that situation that occurs that affects the community. When the thing that happened in Minneapolis, I used to work in Minneapolis before I came here, mm -hmm. doing the same exact work. Mm -hmm. What happened in Minneapolis is a, is, is a symptom of the culture and the way that department was being run for years. The way some officers were able to just get away with doing ridiculous amounts of things. And that allowed this stuff to happen, what we, occurred, what we saw in Minneapolis. But that's not the only thing that happened in Minneapolis. There have been other things that have happened in Minneapolis that were never addressed. Mm -hmm. So we have to 
change the culture. We have to make sure that uh, everyone is on the same accord and that discipline and corrective action is applied evenly across the force. But again, Director Reed, from what you've been telling me throughout this whole conversation, is that even after you all get a complaint, it's investigated, you recommend that maybe this complaint should be taken even further, but then the police chief makes that final decision. So one would argue then that there's always going to be a conflict. That goes back to what I and said And you just earlier. said, the, and we just, you just agreed that the culture has to start with the police chief. Now, that's not to say that Chief Shields is not working for a better culture or is not exactly. leading her department. I, I don't want to be very clear for our listeners. Exactly. The, the question, again, I'm asking is that you, you keep saying you want to ensure a culture change. But wouldn't that mean that it has to start with the leaders at the top? Based on what you just said, do yes. you feel that police chief Erica Shields has a pretty good handle on on the department in terms of the culture and police conduct? What's your review of that? How do you see Chief Shields and the culture I, I, within the Atlanta Police Department? I believe with the chiefs that I have seen in the past from Atlanta and Minneapolis that Chief Shields is doing a good job in what she has to do. Now, do we agree with our percentage rate of discipline? No. Do I believe that she has been working with, with uh, the, the department and trying to make it better? Yes. There are no quick, see, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. There are no quick fixes to what is occurring with police departments across the nation. We would like to wave a magic wand and say, bing, everything is 100% better. Mm -hmm. That's not going to happen. What we have to do is correct the things that's wrong, hold the people accountable who need to be held accountable, make sure that we have oversight that is effective, that is strong, that is independent, put the, the money where it needs to be for oversight or for community programs that can help support communities. We, we need to do a number of things. Mm -hmm. Now, when we talk about the leadership, yes, I will say Chief Shields is doing the, making the right actions as she goes along. That I believe is true. Can we do, can we do more? Yes. Can we do better? Yes. Can we do better as an agency? Yes. I'm not, I'm not uh, discounting um, concerns that individuals have. I'm saying we all need to just work together, be forceful about what we need, talk to the powers to be to make sure that they address the needs because this is a critical moment and this is the time. You know, we, we can't just have talk, talk, talk and a little bit of action here, a little bit of action there. No, we have to jump all into it and make these changes that need to be, need to occur. All right. Samuel Reed III is the executive director of the Atlanta Citizen Review Board. Director Reed, thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. And again, if folks have a complaint or want to learn more about the board, where can they get this information? You can call us to file complaints, concerns, ask questions. We love to engage with the community. You can call us at 404 
865-865-8622. You can visit our website at acrbgov.org. Director Reed, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. I understand you had some issues voting, so I'm going to let you go so you can go get back in line. <laughs> so, <laughs> Rose, thank you for having us on. Thank you for asking the questions that need to be asked because it's all about the, the conversation, but not just the conversation, but the action that comes afterward. We, in the, as Atlanta Citizen Review Board, we're doing our action. We're going to continue to push for the citizens of Atlanta to make sure that they have fair, independent, transparent uh, civilian oversight. We want to make sure that we get the information out to the citizens so that they can push as well. All right. Thank you, Director Reed. I appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. That's it for this edition of Closer Look, which is produced by Grace Walker and LaShawn Hudson. Our engineer is Shelly Canavy. If you missed any of today's program, it's online at wabe.org slash Closer Look. And listen whenever you want, because Closer Look is now available as a podcast. Just visit NPR One or your favorite streaming app and subscribe. This is 90.1 WABE, Atlanta's Choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. The Gold Dome Scramble podcast is now plugged in, a WABE politics podcast. New name, same on-the-ground reporting from us, WABE politics reporters Sam Greenglass and Raul Bally. We'll cover local, state, and national politics as we talk to politicians and voters to break down each week's biggest headlines. New episodes drop on Fridays. Listen and subscribe at WABE.org or your favorite podcast platform. WABE.